0: Day 366. No one was touching the meat. Dustin salivated at the sight of it. The smell was intoxicating, strong enough to make him forget about the rancid, unwashed aromas from the person wedged beside him on his bench. Roasted swine, chopped into small, easy-to-share morsels, taken from a lean cut by the looks of it, but this group couldn't afford much, could they? If they had all pooled their money together for a year, They might have scrounged enough pepper to season their beans better. As it was, the lentil slop they all dug into with such enthusiasm lacked salt. But pepper, salt, or toenail dust, the swine smelled delicious. Dustin could not be the first to try it. Too excited to eat? Asked a round-faced woman, rosy in the cheeks from cheap ale and bright hope. It's a big night, he replied. Say that again, I thought we'd all have to wait until the new year in March. Imagine how tickled I was finding out they measure from the time we arrived in the city. Well, they measure from when you signed the registry. If you want to be all prim and proper about it, I suppose that's right. What difference is there? She took another sip from her tankard. The fire from the torches danced on her glossy eyes. Some folk don't sign the registry right when they get in, do they? "'Afraid it will make it easier to be found,' Dustin explained. "'Well, sure, if you've come in with no plan. "'Who's running to the city cold like that, expecting to escape at broad daylight? "'I bet they're attending every church service as well.' "'Dustin knit his eyebrows. "'You're not attending church services?' "'The question sobered her immediately. "'Oi, stop looking at me that way. I'm no heathen. I want to attend. "'Who enjoys skipping all the festivals? "'Just scared I was. Thought they'd find me here.' Don't know what I'd do if they made me go back. Dustin swept his eyes across the room. So many unfamiliar faces, all of them sitting and eating together in the name of freedom. Whatever that meant. Working for a lord in the country or working to death in the city, what did it matter? Was your land all harsh then? Dustin asked. Despite himself, he was warming to the woman. What, you mean breaking my back in the fields every day under a blazing sun? Sure, it was right lovely. "'And how have you spent this year in the city?' She smiled and cocked her head to the side, bold and flirtatious. "'Been working in this tavern,' she motioned around with pride. "'Making food, scrubbing tables. Sure, the men get handsy, but Bertram is a good man and he'll have none of it. Not afraid to kick men out on the street, if needs be. He's protective and he wants what's best for us. Hard to think he started like one of us. Look where he is now.' She inclined her head across the room at a man with a floppy wool cap He wore a thick, short-trimmed beard that framed a contented smile. He folded his arms across his chest and surveyed the room. Dustin buried his gaze in his bowl. In a roomful of strangers, Bertram's face echoed in his memory. He was older now, but unmistakable. "'Fisher a man he is,' the woman went on. "'Risked a year, made it through, and now he runs the tavern. "'Tell me this, what kind of man in his position "'risks so much to get organized with the city?' A private registry so the stewards can't just come up and claim us? He's a godsend. I'm here too, aren't I? Dustin asked. No need to explain it to me. Sorry, babbling. I've minded too much to my cup here. She kept looking at Bertram, eyes twinkling, nose red, hair all a mess. The tavern keep was more than her employer, Dustin knew. But how much more? A lover? A father figure? A religious substitute? What a mess. But when Dustin glanced past the woman, he saw the same admiration glowing in eyes from every corner of the room. They loved him. He was their god, gathering his flock in the filthy city to save them from the oppression of the countryside. And finally, he saw the face he hoped to see tonight. Svend, son of Neville. His long, slender nose was unmistakable. Thank you for the inspiring conversation, Dustin said, pushing himself back from the table and regrettably leaving the pork behind. Inspiring? What, what fancy words you have, the woman said as she pulled them back down. I like that. Must have picked it up in the city. Come now, tonight's a celebration. No early leaving. Really, I must insist that a raucous thundering of ale mugs on the oak tabletops drowned out Dustin's protest. Bertram, Bertram, the call started in low voices, but soon everyone chanted his name. It washed over Dustin like a rushing river, a relentless deluge of admiration for this man. Once a serf, now a liberator. Their enthusiasm and loyalty made him quiver with curiosity. The reckless energy pulled at a corner of his heart he had spent so long guarding, intoxicating, exhilarating. How could a room full of peasants sound so free? A cluster of men yanked Bertram onto one of the tables near the center of the room. The tavern owner blushed and smiled before raising his hands to quiet the multitude. "'Huzzah, my friends! Huzzah!' echoed an earth-rending voice in unison. "'You've nearly arrived,' Bertram went on. "'Not long ago you came to the city, trembling, afraid, full of hope and uncertainty. "'If you were like me, you doubted yourself, doubted the plan.' Thought you were more foolish to try it. But I saw each of you come forward, and to me, you looked as courageous as any knight or soldier, any lord or king. A cheer rose. So did Dustin's eyebrows. Talk like this was dangerous. To compare them to a king? Why did it ignite something in his own conscience? He peered carefully through the crowd. Sven's lanky arm had raised a tangret. And look how far you've all come. I'm so proud of each of you. To Ruby! Bertram pointed at the woman at Dustin's side. She beamed and Dustin turned his head down, hoping no one would notice the too clean man on her elbow. Who has helped me run this tavern for an entire year and has done so admirably? Tankards pounded. To Thomas! The Apostle Thomas may have doubted, but I didn't doubt you for a moment. Then the city's stables are finer for you, Tankards. To Sven! Dustin perked his ears. I'll be honest, when I saw Sven, I wasn't sure where he might be useful (laughs) with such long arms and reeds for legs. But he has done his fair share as hedge warder, perhaps the best hedge warder the city has ever known. Tankard's slamming, and Dustin shook his head. A hedge warder? Sven walked around all day minding fences? What a waste. He'd always known Sven to be excellent in working hay, where he could reach his long arms to rake in large piles and bundle them up into exquisite bushels. A hedge warder. Sven's cheeks reddened as a battery of arms patted him on the back, an assault on his narrow shoulders. And so many others among you, working hard, building a life that you can call your own. Once you were vassals. Property. Tomorrow morning, when your year and one day is up. You are your own men and women. Life will be yours to make what you will of it. So tonight, we celebrate. Bertram swept an arm toward the tables. Not many of you will have tasted the pork in the dishes at your tables, and don't think you need to try more than a bite. The first time can be rough on your stomach. But I wanted you all to taste the luxury of those that have ruled over you. He raised a mug high. It's my toast to all of you brave enough to start a new path. Hear, hear, the room rang out in a hearty cheer. Dustin did the same before he was overwhelmed with a loud aggregate swallowing as everyone in the room drained their tankards, then a percussive, out-of-sync, hollow clang as they slammed their empty vessels on their tables in the throaty chorus of satisfied, ah, so raspy out of their throats. Bertram led the way by plucking a morsel of pork and popping it into his mouth. Finally, Dustin stuffed a bit of pork in his own mouth, eager to savor the unctuous, meaty fat, and was disappointed that it had gone cold while they waited, a shame, and it might have been so delicious. Still, it was worth seconds. He ate another morsel and looked around his table. "'Ruby stared at him, along with a few others. "'You like it, then?' "'Dustin swallowed as he scrutinized the faces, "'chewing some of the more grisly bits of swine. "'Each of them were painted with curiosity, "'discovery, apprehension, surprise. "'None of them had casually dipped their hand back in "'as if they were having more gruel. "'It's, it's not my first time trying,' he admitted with a shrug. "'but the hair on his neck stood on end, "'and his pulse quickened. "'Oh, uh, no? "'Where'd you say you worked?' asked the sturdy man with calloused hands across the table. (laughs) Dustin swallowed his new bite of pork, this time without chewing before the obvious answer came to him. Butcher, down the road. What doesn't sell, we put to use. Ruby shuddered. I can never stand being a butcher, elbow deep in blood all day long like that. Dustin relaxed his bald fists under the table. Beats standing knee deep in dung all day. Thank heavens, said the man. Thought you were gonna say you had some easy job like the city hornblower or something, and I was about to lay you out flat for it. (laughs) He and Ruby laughed heartily, and Dustin forced himself to join in. But the thought of this man, at least twice his size and right out of a nightmare in his coarse brown tunic and veining forearms laying him flat was enough motivation to reconsider the entire thing. But then the time ran out tomorrow. Tomorrow they would all be free. "'Go on, then,' Ruby insisted. "'Tell us a bit about your landhold. "'Why'd you run away, and how'd you go about it?' "'Oh, surely you don't want to hear about any of that,' "'Dustin said with a cough. "'But several sets of eyes, "'none more than five feet from him, "'glowed with interest. "'The room had grown loud again with conversation, "'and the table formed a type of bubble of social interest. "'No one will be more interested in us here tonight together,' "'said Ruby. "'Start at the beginning. "'What was your job before coming to the city "'and turning into a butcher?' "'Livestock,' Dustin said after a pause. "'Cared for them. Had away with sick sheep, actually.' His story carried him easily away from the truth, and once he got going and saw how they all believed so readily, he carried on. "'That's what inspired me to seek butchery here, in fact.' "'How do you mean?' asked a pudgy man with a burn on the side of his face. "'Well, not every sheep can be saved, of course, and when it dies, no point in wasting it, right?' "'And here you were getting on me about attending church services,' Ruby said, "'punching his arm. Go figure.' "'How do you mean?' Dustin asked. "'I just figure you're for natural magic, Healer. No offence. "'Can't imagine you calling on the name of our good Lord to cure a sheep or something.' "'Right,' Dustin choked. Uh, "'Exactly, yes. Natural magic was my preferred method.' "'Please, go on,' said the pudgy man again. "'I'm to work at the city's stables in a fortnight. "'Can you impart even a bit of wisdom I might take along? "'Save a horse in a pinch? Something like that?' "'Dustin wished now he had never taken a bite of pork. "'He racked his memory on any plausible incantation "'or potion he had ever heard of, "'but his mind was blank, so he made one up. "'Well, this is simple enough. "'If you have a horse with a fistula, "'try grinding up some green viper "'and applying it to the sore. "'Try that once on a sheep bit on the leg, "'something terrible by a wolf. "'It was walking again by morning.' "'Dustin took a long drop from his pint. "'The party at the table collectively nodded appreciatively, "'trying to commit the advice to their drunken memories.' And to think, now you're a butcher, and all this knowledge going to waste, said Ruby. You should talk to Bertram about a new position. No, no, I'm happy where I am. She's right, said the large man opposite. Bertram! No, please. Dustin lunged at the large man as he stood to prevent him from calling the tavern keep over. His hands found purchase on his hairy, burly forearm. The brute stared at him in confusion. What shoes? Ruby exclaimed, pointing to Dustin's feet. Where'd you get those? He scrambled back to hide them again under the table. "Uh, They're not my usual butchery shoes, he mumbled. I'd say not. Those are fine leather. Ruby tried to push her head under the table to get another look, but another battering round of clanking broke their attention. Across the room, Sven was being pushed up onto the table. He tried to wave off the encouragement of those around him without success. It was clear the crowd demanded a speech of him. Sven, giving speeches, what a wonder. Some of you know me, Sven started in a squeaky voice, fists pounded on tables. I've grown very close to some of you as we've worked together. It's funny if you think of it, the idea that 50 or 60 of us all showed up in the city on the same day. (laughs) We owe so much to Bertram, but some of us more than others. Dustin narrowed his eyes and listened. He had been looking for Sven for a long time, and he'd be lying if he said he didn't have questions. You see, I used to work the hayfields. It's difficult work, sometimes back-breaking, but it also gave wonderful views of the land. One day, my lord's daughter came riding by on horseback, and she stopped to watch us working. It was exciting, of course, to see someone dressed in finery, hair lovely and golden as the hay, but I didn't think much of it until she started talking to me. She was about my age, you see. I couldn't exactly take my leave of her while she wanted to talk, so I remained and listened. Her father had plans to marry her off, and she wasn't too pleased with them. We spent some time together. A surprised but knowing murmur went around the room. But we didn't do nothing, honest. She kissed my cheek, and I, she tried to give me her kerchief, but I refused. Anyway, a few days later, it wasn't the Lord's daughter that rode out to see me. It was someone else. He asked me questions. He didn't part with a friendly goodbye. I knew I needed to leave, so leave I did. When I came here, Sven stopped, and he swallowed back a lump of emotion. I think Bertram may have saved my life. I don't mean to do ill. I was just a kid. Still am, but wiser now, and I'll never make a mistake like that again. So, Bertram, thank you. He led the group in raising another pint to the tavern keep, and this time a much more sober chorus accompanied the action. Dustin folded his hands and considered what reasons Sven might have to lie in front of this group of people. If he'd enjoyed a romantic rendezvous with the young lady Erin, wouldn't he be eager to boast about it in this company? After all, the room was packed full of vindictive serfs, all on the eve of their freedom. A conquest of that sort would be heralded as a twisted victory. He'd sought Sven for a long time, but now Dustin found himself believing the lad. If the Lady Aaron didn't want to be married to a certain suitor, what could be more effective at ruining the match than spreading a rumor that she'd been deflowered by a peasant? He shook his head and couldn't help but smile. The clever girl. But where did that leave Dustin? He massaged his jaw and stared at the young man. As if his gaze were a magnet, Sven turned and made eye contact. His already thin frame crumpled in on itself. His bleary expression turned rancid and overripe before he bolted for the door. Dustin didn't need to give chase. A fan of arms grabbed Sven before he'd made it two feet. Well-meaning arms, afraid that he'd just been overcome with a fit of some kind. Sven only pointed with a shaking hand toward Dustin, and every pair of shoulders in the room rotated in his direction. Dustin! Bertram's voice burst out in a hollow shout. It had the fury, but not the power. No, you can't, Dustin stood, allowing his posture to take its full size. His adult life of eating well rendered his frame more imposing than most of those around him. Don't let him take me, Sven cried. He won't, growled Dustin's large table companion before advancing on him. Stop, Bertram's command stopped the attack, but the man turned to confusion toward the tavern keep. Wise, Dustin said. City God knows exactly where I am. And should something happen to me, well, I'd hate to see so many of you in chains right after becoming free. You heard him, Dustin, Bertram said. The girl used him, set him up. You have to believe him. How am I supposed to just let him go? I've been after him for a year now. It's personal. It's the Lord's daughter, not just a runaway. But I didn't, Sven started. It doesn't matter, Dustin said. Her father doesn't care. If I go back empty-handed, It'll be my head. "'Do you hear the fear in your own words?' asked Bertram. "'You might not work the fields, but you're no freer than the rest of them. "'Why not join us?' Dustin scoffed. Yeah, "'You mean scrape my way through city life?' he asked. "'But even as he asked it, the idea blossomed. "'The imperceptible aroma of a dizzying headiness flowed through his nostrils. "'Freedom!' he jumped at the chance to become his lord's steward, "'but his life would be spent serving another.' There, Bertram said. I see it in you. You want what we have here. I can give it to you. It's the right way to live. And you wake up every day knowing that it's yours. A gentle hand wrapped around Dustin's. He turned, surprised to see Ruby's face gazing up at his. Not screwed up in anger, but pleading and lovely. I met a decent man tonight, she said. I know it. Can't you imagine a life here? He could especially if Ruby were involved. The invitation smothered him. It pulled at every muscle. But what about his duty? Could he abandon all for these faces? This family, the cheery ale, the bites of pork? He stared at the pork. They'd hardly touched it. He reached out and grabbed another piece. Sorry, Sven. I just like the meat too much. Oh, it's good, (laughs) I like it, oh my gosh. I, I know nothing about this like system of laws. Yeah, and tell us about that. Explain okay, sixty-six rules how this works. Okay. The culture of peasantry is a very interesting study mm. if you think about it. You have all these castle estates, things like that, and then the large agricultural expanses. Um city life and towns, you know, they weren't crazy highly populated the way we think about them today. Mm. You know, we're talking about, like, really, really large towns in kind of the Middle Middle Ages were, you know, 30,000, 35,000, and that's like a very, I mean, that's kind of a small city right. by today's standards. So you have so much of the population out working agriculturally, then the plague comes about, and it changes up the social dynamic with the peasant relationship, and so no longer peasants... Uh, they, don't, they don't have the same type of servitude as they had necessarily before because there's a labor shortage and suddenly they yeah. can demand things. So they're basically tied to the land. They're not slaves, but they're tied to the land. They have to do the work. Um, but cities were trying to get people to come and be in the city where it's fun. Mm-hmm. And one way of enticing these peasants over was to say, listen, if you come to the city and you last 365 days plus one day, then we will dissolve this legal relationship you have with your landholder. So, that's a really cool idea, except that you have to sign a registry when you get to the city, and then the Lord's sending his bailiffs and his stewards after all these runaway peasants, and they just look at the registry and they say... record, yeah. Yeah. So... So is here. There were actually the city kind of did these backroom deals with some people to start creating these private registries that were not so easily discoverable by the stewards and the bailiffs. You know, there were bailiffs taking bribes and things like that, and so there was just kind of this whole, like, flee-to-freedom idea that these peasants were pursuing. That's wild. So that was a really cool idea for a story where maybe you've got a whole group of these of these peasants and they're just on the eve of their freedom yeah but by the law all it takes is the one like if you're discovered it's not till day 366 that it goes into effect right so that was the general idea for it did the city want to bring in people just for labor like what was the city's incentive to pull people up out of the field. Yeah, so the cities evolved of course through this kind of you know, merchant trade is really where the, the city hubs kinda of started and they're building up and building up. As the cities build it up there's just a need for people to to do things, you know um and especially back then a bunch of weird random jobs like i mentioned the city hornblower for example yeah what's up with the hedge warder yeah a hedge warder it's literally just they just go around make sure the fences are all looking good which sounds so stupid but when you think about fieldstone fences in england that's just literally a bunch of like rocks kind of stacking each other and there's an art to it you got to learn the art and they break down but they're also easy to repair because you know you just so, you just kind of do laps basically over yeah. time. Yeah, they just kind of look around at the fences. Yeah, and the horn blower was like their job was just to kind of let everybody know what time it was. And you know, it's just all these things we kind of take for granted. So, let's talk about the meat. I think this is one of those things when people think Middle Ages, they think medieval times and big turkey oh, leg and very right. yes, an Yeah, exactly. And like it just turns out, most peasants. Really had almost a just a straight plant-based diet because it's just so much cheaper. Livestock is very resource-intensive. It's resource-intensive. It's prepared for a specific purpose, Um, and usually, yeah, if you're raising the pigs, which is a very high-flavor meat, um, it's not—you're probably not the one the pigs are getting raised for. You know what I mean? It's like we're getting—we're gonna sell these. And peasants can't afford them and uh sheep of course have other uses. So I think mutton maybe is a little bit more common as you have sheep dying, maybe of natural causes, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But pork in particular, it's like if you think about it, it's it's a garbage disposal, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it is a it's a it's a tasty treat. Yeah, so <laughs> well, the better garbage disposal. It's absolutely garbage disposal. Yes. It um uh, Pigs walking around the streets in medieval towns. That's a common thing. As a matter of fact, it was so common that there are several stories of pigs breaking into people's houses and eating babies in their cradles. Babies? That is something that happens. What? Like More often than you would think. Man, pigs. Pigs are nuts. I was thinking about, okay, if you had had a plant-based diet for so long, and then, you know, what would it be like eating meat? Eating, like, eating pork? Mm-hmm. If you'd never had it, I think it would mess up your stomach. You know what? I, it would yeah. not necessarily. I, I think a lot of people who who eat eat meat in their diets have wondered at some point in their life. Do I naturally think meat smells tasty, <laughs> <laughs> or is that a conditioned response? And I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I know the first time I were eating pig, especially if we were kind of a richer pig or something, I think. You know, you would have some type of reaction from your stomach. That makes sense to me. I mean, you spend and you, your whole life yeah. is going out. And you right? might think it's gross, you know, really, yeah. really gross. So, anyway, so uh, that was kind of a fun thing. And the idea, though, that the steward who is kind of more in communication with the Lord might be in a different housing situation, different. Oh, absolutely. Different. For him, it's like, oh, cool, pork. I hope it's good. I hope it's still warm, you know. Definitely. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, head on over uh, to our website, deathbyfootnote.com. You can sign up for a newsletter. we we'll let you know about new episodes, and you can vote on the stories, of course. Um, we'll also post some stuff about it on social media, if you're not following us, on the TikTok, Instagram, um, YouTube, all those great things. Next week, Jerem's story. Yes! Oh, yeah, and I'm so excited do to you read have this a title one? yet, Jerem? <laughs> uh, I do have a title. The title. <laughs> uh, um, and the title, the title right? is This Story. Is about nah. a girl. <laughs> he's getting, he's getting yeah. I have a real title. This one is called The Vindication of Stump. Mm. That, that, is, a, that is a truly Jeremy Locke title. I'm titled. really excited to share this Stump. one with you guys. Okay. Oh my gosh.
1: Can't wait. Well, catch us next
0: week. We'll see you guys next time. See I'm dancing to the musical outro. We'll get one of those eventually.